Welcome to Cinescapism, the podcast by two friends who love to talk about the movies. I'm Kendra B. And I'm Anthony Uzharovsky. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Kendra. We're back. <laughs> We're back for more. <laughs> Gluttons for punishment. <laughs> it was so much fun just last, last week, two weeks ago, doing this with you. So yeah. we just thought no, it was really fun. coming back for round two. <laughs> yeah, no, we got some really good feedback on the last one, so I'm glad that people tuned in and listened. Yes, thanks, guys. Some people actually chose to listen to us for like an hour, so that's people chose it. It's amazing. They liked us. <laughs> you really like me. You really did. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so lots of things have been happening recently. First of all, did you watch the royal wedding? I did. Yes, I did. Um. I've been traveling for the past two weeks, as you know, so I actually watched it in France. Um, but I was visiting my yeah. brother who lives in Bergerac, which is this lovely little village in the middle of the countryside. And we watched it on his laptop. So Amazing. <laughs> Were you drinking wine and eating brie? Of course. <laughs> as one does. I love the wedding. When in France. Didn't you? Yeah, I know. I really did. Um, I made Robbie watch it. <laughs> And he's not a royalist at all. Well, neither really am I, but I was just like, you know, we have to watch it. It's going to be, it's going to be nice. I, you know, Oprah was there. Oh my God, I know. When I saw Oprah, I was like, okay, I'm watching. Okay, this is it. (laughs) We're here for this. Same like you, I'm like, I mean, I'm not anti-royal family, but I'm neither am I like particularly interested, but I actually really enjoyed this wedding. It was a lot of cooler than I expected. Yeah, it was, I think, a lot more fun to watch than William and Kate's wedding. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I just loved Bishop Michael Curry and his, like, gospel sermon and how it just basically confused all of the British people in that church. It was like, what's happening right now? They were like, oh, help, I'm out of my element. Yeah. But, I mean, the message was so beautiful about just, like, love and unconditional love and, like, all that that we really need to hear these days. So, yeah, I love that. and how amazing was it when the gospel choir sang Stand By Me? <laughs> you know, as you know, it's oh, so like good. one of my favorite, well, the film is one of my favorite films, but also the song. Oh my God, mine too. Okay, we should. We need to do an episode about yes. it. Okay, let's, yeah. It's like, oh, it's yeah, one of those films film. that like really affected me when I was a child in a good way. Yeah. Oh, River Phoenix. <laughs> I'm going to cry. Heartthrob. <laughs> oh. Um, Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. And I think um, Kate's going to make a really good Duchess of Sussex. Not Kate. What am I talking about? That's a different one. It's a different one. And Megan's going to make a a good (laughs) Duchess of Sussex. But I'm really glad that a California girl has, like, infiltrated the royal family because the first order of business that I think she needs to do is decree that In-N-Out Burger needs to come to the UK. (laughs) You know? I'm serious. Get on it, Megan. Sometimes I'd like kill for a number two with no sauce and no tomatoes. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it just seems silly to me that we have like five guys and we have Shake Shack here, but we don't have In N Out Burger. It's just, just a travesty. You make me laugh. <laughs> you make me laugh. Come on, Megan, get with I mean, it. And I'm sure she would approve of that. I'm sure she likes it. She's In-N-Out gonna Burger. miss that California. Yeah, I know. She's gonna I, miss that I California would. beef. Let's face it, she will. She's got a nice British steak now. I mean, yeah, Harry's pretty cute. Yeah. 
He's he's all right, yeah. And it's funny though because when we were growing up, everyone thought Prince William was the hot one. Yeah. And it turns out that it's actually Prince Harry. And who would have thought? I think I would have. I think I always fancied Harry because he, you know, he's got the bad boy vibe. And he's a ginger. Yeah. And yeah. and how, as Lauren Bacall would say. <laughs> And how? <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, there you go. I'm I'm very happy for them. They seem like a really nice couple. And how? And then some. <laughs> no, yeah, they are sweet. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, they really are. Oh, well, congratulations to Harry and not Kate, but Megan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. So the past couple of weeks, like you said, you've been really busy. Tell us uh, where you've been before. Where where did you go before France? Well, I went to Madrid as promised. Uh, Amazing. Yes. <laughs> I've been wanting to go there for many, many years because, well, as many of you will know, Kendra and I did a book about Ava Gardner, who is my spirit animal and our, yes. we both love her. But yes, queen. she spent like, well, maybe the wildest decade of her already very wild life <laughs> in Madrid. And so yeah. I always wanted to go and sort of discover the places she went and, you know, just hit the, the, the night places and all the bars and all that. So it was really exciting. And Tony, my partner, and I went for a week and we oh. had a really great time. And I bet it was nice and hot and sunny. It was warm, but it wasn't too hot yet because obviously it's not the summer yet. So actually I was quite glad because my white skin could not handle the sun. <laughs> you had to put on your put on your sunbonnet and lots of buttermilk. <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. I mean, it didn't rain once in a week, which you know, living in England, that's quite something. <laughs> that's a record. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's really nice. It's been quite nice here as well. But I think you know, I would love to just go go to Spain or go you know to Italy or someplace and just have a beach holiday. Mm. I mean, no beaches in Madrid, but no, but you know. <laughs> Still, no, it was... um, at least you get some proper vitamin D. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why Ava moved there, because she was just like, you know, she loved the sun. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you do get a lot of that in California as well, so it was probably something else well, why she moved there. Well, we can get to that in a moment. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, so, okay, so you went to Madrid. Where did you stay? Like, I've never been there. I've only been to Barcelona, <clears throat> so I don't know what the city is like, um... Yeah, how, how was the trip? Well, we, I didn't know anything about the city either before we went. So I thought, you know, a good indication of whether it would be a nice area or not would be to choose a place near where Ava used to live because I assumed, mm-hmm. you know, she wouldn't stay anywhere horrible. So we went, we rented an Airbnb, which was sort of 10 minute walk from where Ava used to live on... Um, now, was that her her apartment in the city where she lived above uh, Juan Perón? That's right. Yeah, it was like, uh, it's called um, Avenida Doctor Acre. Forgive my uh-huh. Spanish pronunciation, right? I'm not a Spanish speaker, so... <laughs> but, so it's this lovely, very quiet street um, in a sort of neighborhood full of embassies and like, you know, that's where like the diplomats live. It's like very expensive to live around there mm-hmm. but where we lived wasn't so it was a bit dis- misleading because it was like 10 minutes away and it was a bit it wasn't as nice as that so <laughs> sadly mm-hmm. but yeah it's so we the first evening we went upon my insistence obviously we went to visit Ava's place and 
we found it. And as you know, Kendra, I mean, that's one of the things that we bonded about. Like, we love stalking dead celebrities and the places they oh, lived. And, you know. Yeah. So it's just... I, I, yeah. There's just something really special about, like, going to a place where your favorite dead celebrity lived. I don't know. Yeah. No, I agree, because you sort of, you get this kind of feeling of, like, this presence there sometimes. And it's kind of like you're stepping back into the past when you think of all the things that you've read about and the, th- the things that you like about these people and then sort of seeing where they lived and where they worked and where they hung out. I think there's something really special about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know a lot of people who do that for Vivian Lee as well. And, and of course, I'm like the number one <laughs> Vivian Lee stalker. So, you know. It's great. I mean, without <laughs> being like all mambo jumbo about it, you certainly like feel a sort of looming presence or like a friendly kind of spirit i don't know what it is it's it's just there's something there and so i there was a bench outside the building so i just i sat there for ages and tony was sort of snapping pictures everywhere and then i was like oh let's go inside like you know what it's like you always like the goal is always to get inside (laughs) oh you didn't go up and ring the bell did you no i didn't but like (laughs) so obviously it's like a very fortified you know mansion block so you can't really go inside the garden but the yeah. gate was sort of semi-open so I just like started sneaking in and like taking pictures and then this like gatekeeper like started chasing me away like no 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 <laughs> no 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 photo and I was like oh I'm sorry but afuera but, yeah. afuera afuera <laughs> like I was like I'm sorry but also I'm not sorry and I'm gonna take a few pictures so sue me <laughs> yeah totally well once I mean I've done that with the Vivian Lee stuff and then once um when I was in LA I was visit- visiting Marissa our mutual friend when she was there at UCLA and we took a drive into the Hollywood Hills to go to George Cukor's house and it's like the house is on this property where there's like a giant front courtyard and then like an outer gate that faces the road and so you can go up and like there's a little telephone that you can pick up and you're like beep boop when you press the buttons mm-hmm. and then you can it's like a intercom sort of thing yeah. and marissa actually did it she went up and like rang the bell and the, <laughs> i was just like oh my god what's happening and then the gatekeeper answered and was like oh Uh, The person who lives here is, you know, on vacation. They're not here. No, you can't come in. (laughs) So, oh, man. Next time. Well, yeah, we have to do that. There's always the next time. You know, yeah, always the next time. (laughs) I mean, same here. Like, we didn't get very far. But, you know, you can see the windows. You can see the driveway you can see all of that and it was lovely and obviously then we walked around and like you see the places that she probably would have walked or like walked her dog yeah. and stuff like that so it was amazing and then we went into the center which is about 10 minutes on the tube or the metro right okay and yeah it's just such a beautiful city you can really see why she loved it so much it's very alive at night so things will just start around 10 p.m you know, here mm-hmm. in England, we just yeah. were going to bed and there they just... At 10 p.m. things are already shut yeah. here. It's people just begin to think of like having dinner there. It's like... it's the, They take their midday siesta and then they're not tired exactly. until like yeah. four in the morning. Everything is closed like <laughs> in the middle of the afternoon and then they just come to life. And like there's music everywhere, like on all the squares and like guitars yeah. playing. It's just wonderful. And then so obviously I set up to 
to go to all the places that I've read about that Ava went to. So the first place we went to was um, this amazing old um, restaurant, which in mm -hmm. Spain is called uh, Cervecheria. And it was called Cervecheria Alemana. Um, okay. And it's a place where Ernest Hemingway apparently used to sit during the Spanish Civil War and like look out of the window. Ooh. And there's still a table where he apparently used to sit in the window and like there's his portrait above above the, the table. Oh, wow. So the first time we went, obviously there were people sitting in the table. I was like, oh, I want to sit there. <laughs> Move. <laughs> get out. <laughs> but apparently it was one of Ava's favorite places to go and get a drink, especially like during her later years in Madrid. Yeah. So she would like sit there by herself and sip a drink. So it was amazing to go in and there were pictures of her famous like bullfighter boyfriends, you know, Louis Miguel and all that. Louis Miguel, yeah. yeah. So it was like, <laughs> and uh, one thing I really loved about Madrid is like wherever you went and like mentioned Ava Gardner, like if you said Ava Gardner, they would just look at you like, what? So you had to say it like in a Spanish accent, like Ava Gardner. <laughs> Ava, not Ava. No, and when you said Ava Gardner, everyone would just like come to life immediately, like, ah, oh, see, Ava Gardner. Like, you can see she's still such a like legendary presence over there. Like, people would literally like whisper her name. Like, they wouldn't even like dare to speak it out loud. You whisper it because it's like such a, I don't know, she really is a legend there still. So, so when you, um, you mentioned also that you went to like a bull ring and yeah so there's this big big yeah. really famous bull ring in madrid so we went there because obviously mm -hmm. as you know ava loved the bullfights or the bullfighters i mean i never i always thought that she probably just loved the bullfighters <laughs> not the actual bullfights yeah i think yeah but it was like um because it was like a national pastime wasn't well, it or still, maybe still well, is i mean it's, it's very controversial nowadays and it's actually banned in some parts of spain but in Madrid, yeah. it still seemed like it's very much part of the scene. And, you know, especially older people, like there are bars where like there are pictures of bullfighters or autographed pictures of bullfighters everywhere. And like especially mm -hmm. like, middle aged Spanish men or older Spanish men are very, you can see they're still very in. It's part of their tradition, part of just who, who they right. are. But I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell what the younger people think and how long it's actually going to survive because it is a very brutal sport well maybe if someone's like listening to this who's from spain and who's more of our age or younger they can kind of tell us yeah what that they would think be great it. yeah yeah guys so right in i mean the funny thing is there's, there's footage of ava attending like a bull i don't know if you've seen it but it's like she's crying and she's like clearly really upset Oh, yeah. So like, because it was it because someone got gored. I don't know if it was if it was someone or if it was because the bull obviously gets killed at the end. And you know, yes, by all yeah. accounts, like Ava loved animals. She was an animal lover. She loved mm. her dogs, and so it must have upset her as well. I don't know. It's funny. I mean, before I went, I was really, really against it and like passionately against it. But obviously, being there, you feel the the other side of it, like how it's actually part of the tradition, how it really like permeates every aspect of of cult of culture mm. so you kind of look at it slightly differently but again it's kind of like not the same obviously as what we talked about last time about you know the confederacy and and like the romanticizing of the past it's about it's a bit like that as well it's like it's a it's the romantic aspect of it like the bullfighter being the heroic you know male and like and all of that so obviously it's it's controversial but it's part of the history and part of the parcel yeah yeah 
Um, I don't think I would ever go see a bullfight because it makes me really uncomfortable. But um, yes, I can see how it's part of the culture mm. there. Um, but like I said, I've only been to Barcelona and in Catalonia. Cat, yeah, Catalonia. They uh, they banned they did, bullfighting. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. going more towards the uh, animal rights kind of thing. Yeah, and also I think obviously flamenco was a huge part of her Spanish life, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the other places, like amazing places we went to was this um, old flamenco bar, um, which actually I didn't know anything about before we went. I just stumbled upon it and, you know, went inside. It was in the middle of the day. And I thought, this looks like a kind of place Ava might have gone to. <laughs> and um, it was empty, but um, the manager lady, Rebecca, hello, Rebecca, big shout out. Hi, Rebecca. She was actually inside. And so I did my, you know, whispering, Ava Gardner thing. <laughs> you said the password to get in I think so if anyone goes to Madrid you have to say avocado in a really sultry you know and then in a whisper it will get you anywhere <laughs> so basically yeah, she said yeah she used to come here this was one of her favorite places um, and you should definitely come and see the show this evening and I said you know this was towards the end of our visit we were broke and it's actually quite expensive to see flamenco in Madrid so I said, you know, I'd love to, but maybe next time. And she said, no, 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 I'm inviting you. You should come and, you know, f- bring your partner. So that night we returned and we, we got this like really great table in the front row. And we were dancing. Well, I was dancing. Tony wasn't exactly dancing. <laughs> but <laughs> um, Come on, Tony. Oh, I was, I mean, it was amazing. You can really see why Ava loved flamenco. It's just, it's such a passionate dance. And um, it's really colorful, really beautiful. And it seems like it's largely improvised, which I think it probably isn't. Because it's probably more difficult than it looks. But yeah, it was, it was wonderful. There are certain moves you have to do. It seems like it's like a very sensual kind of dance. Yeah, definitely. It's very sensual. And it's like, it's all about passion and lost love and revenge and all that. And, you know. And hip swaying and clapping. And lots of hair everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Really whipping your head back and forth. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And the fingers going up and down. And, you know, it's fabulous. And then... You know, obviously, we went to this famous bar called uh, Museo Chicote as well, which is on one of the main roads in Madrid. And you have pictures of all the famous people who used to go there, like Grace Kelly and Hemingway. And Ava is actually like the centerpiece. So she, again, she's such a huge deal. And I got very drunk in there. (laughs) (laughs) As one does. Well, I don't know what it is about Madrid, but it's just it seems that the drinks are a lot stronger over there. <laughs> I think it's a Spanish thing in general, or maybe even like a European thing, continental Europe kind of thing. Maybe. You know what I mean? Like you have a one or two drinks and you're completely off. <laughs> and you're like on the floor. Yeah. But you know what I have that I don't okay. I don't, is tequila a big thing in Spain or is it just sangria? Um, I think tequila is more Mexican, isn't it? Oh, yeah, because there's, there's a whole thing about tequila. It's like one tequila, two tequila, three tequila, Boom. four. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah I think so if it's like that there was a drink in Madrid which I still don't remember its name I asked every time I had it I asked can you tell me what it's called and they would and I can't repeat it but basically people listening who are from Spain or from Madrid in particular will know what it is it's basically like a very red like blood red drink and it has like red vermouth um, wine and something else in and it's really strong magic and really delicious like you can drink it like you know juice you think it won't affect you and then it suddenly does but in a very good way like I wasn't sick or anything it just like made me dance and I wanted to stay out all night and poor Tony was like no (laughs) oh no so you wanted to sort of like relive the Ava magic of staying out all night dancing yeah. and drinking and partying and then bring the gypsies back home but I'm not sure our Airbnb <laughs> host would have been very happy with me they're like no third party guests oh but I really wanted that like can we bring all the like flamenco dancers back to the house <laughs> and Tony was <laughs> Tony's like, like no. I don't think so but you know <laughs> Tony's like it's my bedtime again maybe next time I loved when I was in Barcelona um, we loved going for tapas and having just like all the sangria and wine. It was amazing. Tapas is, yeah, it's just great. Tapas is life. Is. <laughs> what I couldn't understand is why like Spanish people are like really slim and beautiful and they keep eating all this like fatty food and drinking all the time. Well, it must be because they're flamencoing it off at night. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> that must... And running from the balls yeah, exactly. in Pamplona. <laughs> Keeps you fit. <laughs> So that so that was Madrid, and also like we went like searching for Ava treasures, like because obviously she lived there for so long, and there were so many articles in the press about her while she was there. I really yeah. wanted to find some old newspapers or magazines, but it was really hard. And again, like we went to this huge flea market, which just like went on for miles and miles. Oh, that sounds absolutely amazing! You would have loved it, Kendra. Oh, I love a good flea market or a boot <laughs> sale. Just love it. it love it. There were like old books and old everything but again like you would say you would whisper have a gardener (laughs) they're like see yeah they would say see but they would say like oh i mean if there ever is anything it like goes really quickly because obviously everyone wants that so it's really hard to get anything now on the streets which is quite sad obviously because i love it i mean you can buy it all on ebay probably but it's not the same as like finding it Well, it's like one of those things where, you know, it comes and goes in waves in terms of people being interested in buying this memorabilia. Like, it's the same with Vivian Lee stuff. Like, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago, people tell me you could get things like out of a skip for free (laughs) or just like, you know, at at like trade shows, you could buy original photos for like $5 or something. And now it's like $150 on eBay. It's crazy. And it's just like it goes up and down, up and down, depending on. Uh, when they come back in style and um, so I think because of maybe eBay and Amazon and things like that it's getting more difficult because you can't get all of Mm -hmm. that and people buy it for the wrong reasons people buy it to sell it which is you know Mm -hmm. I don't know but which is not what we advocate no I mean because for people like us and a lot of our listeners who are like really who love old classic movie stars this is what Mm -hmm. you know this is our treasure and it's really sad to think there's like millions of those lying in someone's you know attic and they never even look at it i know so yeah 
Such is life. <laughs> yeah. Sad. But- well, so the thing about Spain, too, is that, and you mentioned Ernest Hemingway, um, but Ava actually did three films that were based on Hemingway books or short stories. And one of them, um, The Sun Also Rises, is what we're going to, is like our film of the film of the episode, basically, yes. what we're talking about today. Um, so I wanted to just read to you guys the section in our book that uh, we talk about The Sun Also Rises, um, which was Ernest Hemingway's like first popular literary success so if you don't mind just imagine yourself watching that gif of oprah where she like closes the book slowly and then looks at the camera in a sassy way because that's what i'm doing right now (laughs) i'm just gonna read it i'm just gonna read it right off the page so if you're ready so published in 1926 the sun also rises was ernest hemingway's first literary success and has since become an american classic The film rights had been floating around Hollywood for 30 years, changing hands several times, but never getting off the ground on account of certain plot points and character traits. At the book's heart is the world-weary Lady Brett Ashley, who Ava plays, a woman who is unapologetically sexually liberated and becomes involved with several men in order to snuff out her lingering feelings for an impotent soldier that she met while working as a nurse in Italy during the Great War. What's more, Brett doesn't get punished for her libidinous desires. In short, she was considered too risque for Hollywood. So you could say that Ava was perfect for the role. So The Sun Also Rises was filmed at Mexico City's Churubusco Studios, and it reunited Ava with her Snows of Kilimanjaro director, Henry King. And rounding out the cast were Tyrone Power as Brett's impotent love, Jake Barnes, Errol Flynn as Mike Campbell, and Audrey Hepburn's husband, Mel Ferrer, as Jake's foil, Robert Cohn. Power and Flame were two former stars who we both love. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, and they were both nearing the ends of their lives, and they would both be dead of heart attacks within two years of making this film, which is really sad. Um, unfortunately, what might have been an entertaining collaboration between a group of Hollywood legends was not such a happy occasion, at least on Ava's part. <clears throat> Ava was less than enthusiastic about Peter Viertel's script, though she and the screenwriter spent quite a bit of time together when cameras weren't rolling. (laughs) It didn't seem to her that it was possible to bring Hemingway's iconic story to the screen without losing some of its essence in translation. And although she had enjoyed working with Henry King in 1952, her feelings had since changed. So according to a letter she wrote George Cukor on March 25th, 1957, shortly before she arrived arrived in Mexico, she she felt sure King would be of no help to her. Nor was Ava enthusiastic about journalists coming on set and dogging her for details about her personal life in the wake of her divorce from Frank Sinatra. She agreed to do her share of interviews as necessary for the film's publicity, but resented headlines that painted her as an unhappy and lonely woman, (laughs) a loser at love who couldn't hold down a marriage. How could she focus on creating her own narrative of her future when the international press was hell-bent on doing it for her? In a moment of frustrated candor, Ava said to journalist Liza Wilson, quote, Why do you writers insist that I'm tortured, tormented, frustrated, not to mention moody, unhappy, and lonely? I live the way I like to live, wherever I happen to be, and very few people can say that truthfully. I suggest you don't cry for me, end quote. Tensions on the set of Sun Also Rises ran high, according to an in-depth report published in Esquire magazine. 
Writer Helen Lawrenson observed that everyone connected with the picture seemed curiously imbued with the essential spirit of the book itself, so much so that at times, both on and off the set, it almost appeared as if they were really living instead of acting it. When it came to Ava, her jaded attitude toward fame and her weariness over the ever-present press affected her work. If a photographer tried to take an unauthorized picture, she had him thrown off the set and spent the rest of the day sulking. Lawrenson described her as the unknown quantity from day to day. How would she show up to the set, or not how would, but would she show up to the set on time? Would she be difficult to work with? Her behavior became unpredictable and her mood irascible. Things weren't helped any by producer Daryl Zanuck hovering around and trying to do Henry King's work for him. Um, Ava said, if anyone should be frustrated about the picture I'm making now, it's Ernest Hemingway. It was an attempt to deflect attention away from herself. Poor Papa, she said. He gave the book to his first wife as part of the divorce settlement and doesn't get a penny out of the $5 million production. When Hemingway saw a preview of the film in New York, he was frustrated with the final product. The Los Angeles Times reported that he walked out of the screening after 25 minutes with the opinion that Zanuck had turned his story into Zanuck's splashy cook's tour of Europe's lost generation, bistros, bullfights, and more bistros. <laughs> I like bistros, so... <laughs> um, he said, it's all pretty disappointing, and that's being gracious. Errol Flynn was the best thing about the film, quote, I guess, unquote. Mexico, he said, was no substitute for the authenticity of Pamplona, where much of the story takes place. Given the prickly natures of both Hemingway and Zanuck, it is not surprising that the press reported a feud. Zanuck fired back at Hemingway's remarks might, that Hemingway's remarks might, film, might harm the film's chances, can I even read, <laughs> before actual critics had a chance to weigh in. As for Mexico, he said, they had no choice. Hemingway had insisted on Ava's playing Brett, and to accommodate Ava's schedule, they had to postpone the schedule from September to February. Did Hemingway expect them to film in the snow? Furthermore, said Zanuck, 60% of the dialogue in the film was taken straight from the pages of Hemingway's novel. If the, di <laughs> if the picture doesn't satisfy Hemingway, he should read the book again, Zanuck said, because then the book won't satisfy him. So Hemingway was known for his sparse and blunt writing style, which didn't really appeal to, to all readers. And I know when I was in high school, like Hemingway was my literary crush. So I loved the, um, the book, uh, A Farewell to Arms. That was one of my favorite books in high school. And I also read The Sun Also Rises at that time. And then I tried rereading it again before we recorded this episode, but I only got 85% of the way through. Oh, that's that's not bad. So. <laughs> that's not bad. I'm, a, I'm kind of a slow reader. I like to read before bed. But um, anyway, uh, the rest of it, da 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 da. Um, so, with such bare dialogue, it was left up to the actors to convey the underlying disillusionment and pent up emotions that flow between the lines of Hemingway's story. Despite mixed reviews for both Ava and the film as a whole, a reassessment reveals qualities of Ava's performance that have largely been overlooked. Befitting Brett's repressed feelings toward Jake, Ava is largely subdued. Yet in the moments when Brett's passion seeps out of the cracks in her otherwise cool facade, she goes wild. No scene better exemplifies the duality of Ava's characterization than the one in which Jake takes Brett to a club early in, early in the film. 
after she professes her love to him in the car ride over and tells him that she's going to marry someone else, Jake decides to leave her with Robert Cohn and an infatuated French aristocrat. Jake walks out into the night and Brett breaks into an uninhibited Charleston, as if his abandonment means nothing to her. We find out otherwise when Jake and Cohn converse outside the club and Jake calls Brett a drunk and a drifter. The camera cuts back to the club where Brett is standing in the doorway, having overheard the entire conversation. The shot lasts mere seconds, but the look of hurt that flashes across Ava's face provides a fleeting glimpse into Brett's inner turmoil and speaks louder than any dialogue. It was rare that Ava got credit for revealing psychological depth in the characters that she played. At times, such revelations indeed seem to appear out of the blue. Unexpected but welcome, they challenge Ava's own insistence that she knew nothing about acting. And that's the end of me reading directly from our book. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the book. <laughs> um, I love yeah, that scene. So, I just remember that, that we wrote about it. It was like that scene where she like yeah. does the, you know, that like she claps her hands and just goes back and like really yeah. lets herself go. I think she's really good in the film. She's so like, um, she's kind of subdued. She doesn't overact at all. And I think... I was rewatching it again last night in preparation for us recording this, and I just, yeah, I, I thought she really kind of embodied that, that sort of lost character. She kind of yearns for the love of a person who won't sexually satisfy her, and mm. it's just, yeah. I, think, I mean, the film as a whole good. is, you know, a bit lifeless, and I think the only, like, when Ava mm. is on the screen, it comes to life and when she goes yeah, off definitely then it kind of dies a little bit. I don't know I think I mean as much as I love Tyron Power I think he's great I think he was a bit too old for the part uh, yeah I'm not sure about that because he wasn't what well, how old was he when he died he was like 45, 45 wasn't yeah, so he this was just before yeah. he died wasn't it I mean a couple of years yeah it was just a couple of years so I mean, he looks he looks his age yeah. in the film, so maybe that's kind of what... I think they were meant to be in their 30s it? rather than in their 40s, because obviously the war the war right, ended okay. in 1918, and this was in the twen- like in the 1920s. 1920s, so, yeah. Well, you never know. He could have been an older soldier. I just don't know. I just feel like the, <laughs> the book makes them... You know, the last, the last generation is a bit... You know, the whole tragedy is that they're still quite young, and yet they, they have yeah. nowhere to go and nothing, you know... Um, Whereas I think the film, I don't know. I think Errol Flynn is very good. Yeah, he's quite good as Mike. But it's definitely, I think Ava definitely shines the the brightest in the film. And she's probably the best, you know, she's cast, in, she's the right age. And she really, as you say, embodied the character really well. Yeah, and I mean, Hemingway really wanted her for that part anyway. And maybe we can just talk a little bit about their friendship. Mm. How she came to know him and why she liked him so much and... And why she sort of revered his his work. You, Do you want to say a little bit about it? He used to call her his kind of woman, which I think is wonderful. I mean, <laughs> I don't think he meant in a sexual way. I think she just like... I think he probably well, did. maybe also, but not just sexually. I think she just... The whole joie de vie and the whole freedom thing. I think in many ways they were quite similar because they both... Yeah. came from a sort of small town America, you know, and then traveled the world in search of something, you know, they were very restless and... Yeah, they were restless and I think they were both quite disillusioned mm. by things. They had this, like, kind of wild abandonment about them where they just... I Yeah, I guess, I don't want to say drifted, but kind of drifted, drifting. you know, Drift, like... Drifting. Drifting, <laughs> drifting, drifting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, when Ava moved to Spain um, and then she actually got to meet Hemingway because she had done The Killers. That was the first uh, Hemingway That's adaptation right. that she starred in. And then The Snows of Kilimanjaro in the uh, early 1950s 50s, yeah. with Gregory Peck. And speaking of that film, I really wish that someone would release like a decent copy of it. Yes. Because the one that is available is just... Really battered. And... It's really bad. Like, the quality is so... It's so fuzzy, and you can barely... Like, when I when I borrowed... I think I borrowed a copy from Lucy Bolton when we were doing our book, and I watched it, and I just remember thinking, like, I can barely tell that there are, like, are those people on the screen? <laughs> oh. I can barely tell because it's so, like, fuzzy. I just wish that they... Someone would come out with a nice... I mean, this... Calling Criterion collection, ding dong, you know. I mean, the scenes Hello. between Ava and Gregory Peck in The Snows of Kilimanjaro are like, are really magical. I love the scene where they meet in the sort of Parisian bistro and she, you know, just yeah. leans over and it's like. It lights the cigarette. Her name is oh. Cynthia, Cynthia Green. It's like, ah! That's. It's so oh, she says yeah. she's like, I'm, you know, I'm not Compton's lady, I'm my own lady. And you're like, yeah, girl. Yes, Queen. Yeah. <laughs> They're so good together, her and Grogu. Yeah, and her and Hemingway, I think, you know, she really, you know, she's perfect for his, for his stories. Even though most of the stories that were filmed, like, they were really changed for the screen, weren't they? Mm -hmm. Like, in The Killers, she doesn't even appear as a character. Like, the short story doesn't even include that character. So she's completely made up for the screen. But, you know, she still has the essence of the Hemingway sort of, alienation and the sort of disillusionment with modernity and the sort of post-war climate so I think Ava was the perfect heroine for that sort of cinema and in fact it was the killers that made her a star because she was the perfect sort of film noir heroine wasn't she yeah a good femme fatale definitely one of the greatest I think yeah. So when she was in Spain with Hemingway, um, and she also met Luis Miguel Dominguez at the same time, who became her lover. Yes. Um, he was the most celebrated, yeah. you know, bullfighter of his day in Spain. He, and still, even today, there are pictures of him all over Madrid. So he he really, really? was a huge celebrity. Like, I don't know, if you think now of like a famous, like David Beckham or something. So I think yeah. that's what he was in that in his day in Spain he was a real hero and I, I don't really know much about bullfighting so I can't tell you exactly why that was but he must have sure. done something well he's the one that got gored the least <laughs> I think when he met Ava he was actually recovering from a really bad accident and that's why he had, yeah. he had time to devote to, to Ava <laughs> and she yeah. said like okay. if I was part of his recovery he was part of mine, which sounds very, Ooh. you know, sexy, I think. <laughs> cha Yeah. I remember for our book when we interviewed David Niven's son, yes. David Niven Jr., who had been Ava's agent in Spain in the 1960s. And he talked about going to a private bull ring with, who was it? Um, I think it was Luis Miguel and, or was it Ordonez? I'm not sure. But, I mean, she wasn't with. Domingan by then, so I don't know. No, but I think they were still friends. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, anyway, she went to a bull ring um, and brought David Jr. along for like a afternoon <laughs> to see the bulls, and uh, he talked about how they kind of peer pressured him into getting in the ring, and he was they were all drunk and everything, and he got in the ring with a tiny little, tiny little calf, <laughs> and... <laughs> 
had to kind of play fight with it. And Ava was like, Toro, Toro, Toro <laughs> in the audience. And he just said that she was a riot. She must have been fun to hang out with. Oh my god, I, I'm sure she was. I mean, by all accounts, everyone said she was. And she was... Although I'd probably like fall asleep after five minutes and be like, okay, too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired now. I'm tired after one drink of sangria. That was I... like Tony in Madrid. Like, I really wanted to like have a full-on Ava experience. And Tony was like, can we go home now? <laughs> It's like 11 now. I'm, I'm tired. 6 p.m. It's my bedtime. I'm like, no, let's like stay out all night like Ava. And he was like, oh, can we please not? Oh, well, Tony's a good sport. He's really good. I mean, as you know, it's like Robbie. He really indulges yeah. my passion or my obsession. So nice. It's so nice to like be with someone who... Even if they're not really, they don't really get it, you know, on the same level as like we are obsessed with these people, but they still indulge in it and they still will go along with it and, you know, go places with us. Like um, a couple of summers ago, Robbie and I went to Corfu for a week and mm. I chose this place because obviously Vivian Lee used to go there <laughs> to, to hang out with Roger first, her friend. And we stayed in um, Benitsis and like where she stayed and... Yeah, he he's, he just was like, okay, yeah, we can go, okay. And I was like, yay! <laughs> so it's just nice to have people to, you know, drag along with you. Yes. And they're very good-natured. Thank you, Tony. Yeah. Thank you, Ravi. <laughs> Thanks, Tony and Ravi. We love you. I mean, we we went to Hollywood <laughs> last summer with both of them, and we had the best time. Oh, it was so fun. Yeah, it was great. I mean, the thing about this is that, you know, these people really had exciting lives. So chances are, if you follow in their footsteps, you're going to have a good time because they wouldn't go anywhere boring or ugly. (laughs) Exactly. And you see interesting places and you go to like restaurants and places where you never would go otherwise. Exactly. And it's just really fun. It's like it opens up this kind of world for you that you just step back into the past and then you can say, yeah, I've been there. there, done that been there and done that oh my god no <laughs> the password is ava so i don't did we want to mention anything else i feel like we've covered a lot of ground already but yeah i can't really think of anything else to say on this episode so maybe we should just say adieu or hasta la vista oh <laughs> hasta la vista Buenas guys noches. but <laughs> buenos tardes <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's um, more to say. This is always more to say, but, you know, we don't... I think we should do an episode at some point in the future about our experience writing about Ava and, like, the research that we did. Yeah. And... It was a wonderful like, journey. You know, it was great. It was challenging as well. We don't have to talk about that. We can talk oh, about God. how it's all we good. We could do a whole episode on the challenges. We could do a whole episode on the challenges. <laughs> or, like, a whole series of episodes just on the challenges. <laughs> Um, I heard, well, speaking about this Ava in Spain thing, I heard that the Ava Gardner Museum in Smithfield, North Carolina is doing an yes, exhibition that's right. about Ava. Is it Ava and Hemingway yeah. or just Ava and Spain? No, Ava and Ava Hemingway, and Hemingway, yeah. Yeah. That's so, interesting, actually. Look, our episode is relevant to yes. something that's happening. Yeah, no, I saw <laughs> that. There was there's a really great poster with like Ava wearing her killer's dress. Um, oh, her killer nice. killer's dress <laughs> yeah um, no I'm sure it's a great exhibition I mean now we know that the museum is 
you know the lady who's in charge is a really lovely lady so it's good that yeah. the fortunes of the museum have turned around <laughs> yeah the fortunes have turned around and we've opened up relations again, yeah so, so that's best good. of luck to the museum <laughs> best of luck yeah um so next time are we we're going to talk about hedy lamar Yes. Well, we wanted to talk and about two different things and two different people. We didn't want. We didn't know whether we should split into two different episodes, but we'll probably try to combine them into one. I yeah, I think we're just going to do one. So it's going to be Hedy Lamar, uh, the new documentary Bombshell, and then also uh, we wanted to talk a bit about um, Laurence Olivier, whose birthday it is today. Da -da -da! <laughs> How old would he would have been 111 oh my god larry I know. heavens to betsy larry boy larry boy i remember when he turned 100 in the bfi had this like big season of his films and of course i was not in the uk at that time so i didn't get to go oh, to it damn i know oh well so yes we celebrate in our own way yeah so Lawrence Olivier and hedy lamar Next it should be time. really interesting. I mean, I love that Hedy Lamar documentary. It's really great. It was so yeah. good. You guys watch it. It's called Bombshell. Yeah, watch it for next and time, and then we can talk it. about yeah. it. I think it's Yay. still maybe in cinemas in some places. I think so as well. Yeah. Um, and it's, if you're in the UK, it is on Amazon streaming as well, so you can rent it. Um, but it's just it's really interesting, and it's um, yeah, we'll talk all about it next time. Yes. So I think we'll just. Uh, Buenos tardes. And continue, you know, sending us feedback. Tell us what we can do differently, or if you have any yes. comments. Uh, you can listen on iTunes or through the website sinescapism.com. And um, we'd love if you listen on iTunes, if you'd subscribe and rate as well. Uh, we are trying to get uh, lots of listeners. We'd love to hear some feedback from you guys. So if you want to send in an email through the website, you're more than free to do that. And we hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about Ava and Spain. Yeah, go to Madrid and visit Ava's spot. Oh, go to Madrid. actually, just before we go, I just want to say that there is... Um, <laughs> A Spanish language TV series coming out in September with American Ooh. actress Debbie Mazar playing Ava. And actually, Debbie has been amazing. She, I followed her on Instagram and um, she started sort of commenting on um, our Ava Gardner Instagram posts and she recommended oh. places to go in Madrid. So this is something that's quite exciting as well. So hopefully... That's really nice. It will be... When is that coming out? It's September out? in Spain, and hopefully we'll get sort of like an American slash UK distribution as well. Um, I think she probably did a really good job because, you know, she looks like she's really committed to the role and she looks great as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that's exciting. So she was there literally cool. like a couple of months before I was there. So the places I went to, they would say, oh, they just, they were here with the film crew a couple of months ago and they shot some scenes here. So you could really like, you know, that was interesting that it kind of, came together at the same time oh, that sounds really cool exciting yay yay okay we'll see you guys yes, later thanks kendra <laughs> thanks anthony bye, bye, -bye.